Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Market Made Atlanta. Stone Peyton, Corey Rick here with you. Corey, we're starting to hit our stride, man. This is our second episode. I think this is going to be, uh, as my oldest daughter would say, this is going to be a thing. I think you're right. We've got another great guest today to talk about you know, working together and referring business. And we're fortunate to have Ryan Williams with us, who is the president and founder of the Web Suasion Group and also Capocus. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for having me. So we've, uh, I've been looking for somebody to do video type production and, uh, you know, live video podcasts, webcasts. And, uh, uh, I had the pleasure of visiting your studio recently. And man, that is really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We've worked hard on it. So you have over 25 years experience in what you do. Walk us through that that arc and how you got to where you're at now so i had a uh, a strange winding road towards none what, of us what, none of us have had that experience yeah around. yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I find it's not a strange uh you know in retrospect when i talk to more more people everybody kind of comes through uh different uh perspectives but yeah i started out as a recording engineer so i went to georgia state university for uh, commercial music and recording as a record producer so you're not impressed with anything i'm doing back here <laughs> oh very impressed i'm always like <laughs> usually i'm putting on a show you, people are looking at me like, you should wow, look at, you should look at stone when you lie to him <laughs> no no I, any level of uh of gear is great with me i'm always i'm always happy to nerd out on that stuff but yeah, so I mean, like we started out. I mean, I started out in the old. It was like '90s analog days, tape machines, and all that kind of stuff. Sort of towards the end of it, and I came up through the apprentice program. That was a, a real important part of that industry. And at the time, uh, the industry was kind of starting to already show signs that it was in decline. And I realized pretty quickly that either I'm going to be spending seven days a week, sixteen hours a day producing bands that I really probably didn't like, uh, and have very little family life or I needed to find something else. And just, it just so happened at the time the, this thing called the web had started. Um, and it was, no one was taking it seriously. This was 94, 95. Uh, no businesses thought that it had any possibility to make any money or anything. So we, we had, we were kind of a la carte. We could do anything we wanted. And I had really ahead of your time on that too. Just lucky though. I mean, not like, it's not like we had some, it was just like, oh, there's this cool thing that we can mess around with. And it's this, you know, level platform that anybody can go into as long as you just want to dabble around in it and figure out how how it works. Cause it was very, very technical at the time. Um, and still is, but, but especially back then you had to know, you had to figure a lot of stuff out to get even online. So, uh, I had some friends at this company called Mindspring which is a local oh, sure. uh, internet service provider at the time. And they were programmers uh, back there. And they sort of took me under their wing and said, you know, you have an aptitude for programming and um, you should do some projects with us mm-hmm. on the side. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I got into that. So I've run this dual path my entire career of music on one side and running a label and producing and doing radio shows and getting in more and com- more and more into commercial side of production and then also doing development at the same time for uh, large-scale applications, mobile apps and cloud development and stuff like that. Well, you seem to be in, you seem to be in the right place. Uh, 25 years of experience. Um, tell me how that, tell us how that business has evolved and what you've experienced. Oh, there. it's been crazy. Um, I mean, we saw e-commerce come like a lot, like Amazon and all of that come out of almost nowhere. Um, there really weren't mechanisms in the early days to, uh, to take even payments online. So just the whole commerce aspect of the web developed right in front of our eyes. 
and everybody would have ideas and like, you know, like I said, it came from the music and production side. So we were always thinking, how can we like reframe this to where we're not dealing with the major labels and stuff like that? How can we go direct to the fans? And so we would build websites that way and, and, and try to uh, hook into these um, payment vehicles and, and just watching that happen. Napster, all of that kind of stuff that happened with music sharing peer to peer. That Napster. Was, yeah, it was completely uh, game changing and yeah. a detrimental way, unfortunately, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But. <laughs> is is the fact that you have the experience with the audio and the recording it, that seems to me like it would be an advantage doing what you do? I think it's an advantage from the marketing side of what we do. Definitely, uh, we can. How so? Well, we do a podcast that you were just a guest on. Uh, we'll I was. Out coming out here in the next few weeks. Um, we're about 10 episodes into that, so it's still early days, but uh, that is a great vehicle for us to promote our se- promote other businesses while promoting ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time. I, I think that your uh, podcasts are incredibly uh, impressive. Um, Thank the, you. the video quality is excellent. The sound quality. Uh, you have a studio down there. I mean, I really... It was. I really came away from our meeting recently very, very impressed. Thank you. You, you certainly put in a lot of time and effort, and you have how many employees now, Ryan? Uh, there's six of us, and we have a few others that we can bring in when we have overflow. Yeah, so you have capacity. No, we do. Yep, absolutely. What's the most interesting thing about what you do? I, it, it depends on who you're talking to, probably whether it's interesting or not. But I mean, for me, it's uh, my what I do. My strength really is taking that abstract, creative musician mindset and built and kind of working with the logical side of my brain as well as a programmer and putting those two together. And it allows me to see problems from a different angle than yeah. a lot of times, yeah. like a general business person would. So I'll come into a company um, that is struggling to scale. You know, they they're it's, it's too costly for them to hire on more employees and, and do the work that they're doing the way they're, they're doing it. So they tend to not take new clients on. I can go in and look at seeing what they're doing. And, and with a knowledge of what I know is possible technically, I can show them some new pathways. So said differently, you've, you've, you've put out a word that I think is really crucial for business owners and that's scaling. Yes. And, um, uh, some are hesitant to do it. Some don't know exactly how, but, I'm gathering from knowing you the last six months that this is uh, you leverage technology and social media to do so. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, technology, definitely. Um, Social media from a lead generation standpoint absolutely is a a component of that. Um, And then but from the technical side, usually we're, we're dealing with having departmental communication improvements, like bringing in those kind of improvements to a company. So a lot of times you'll simply find people are doing data entry over and over and over again for the same client, for instance. And these systems that they have in place in these different departments, they're not talking to each other. So we are we come in and we create a system that automates that entire process. And usually it's not like automating away people's jobs. We're usually trying to make them more efficient on a small business level. We're making the people that are already there more efficient because they're at a point where they're not going to hire more people anyway. It's too costly. You know, the, the bringing on another staff person, paying benefits, having the office space to handle that, computers, all that kind of stuff. If we can eliminate the need for that and make the people they have more productive at sales and marketing or wherever they do, uh, then they win. And it's a small investment up front, really, when you look at the numbers. Yeah, one word that it, it comes to mind uh, with discussing what you just shared with us is enhancement. Yeah. 
Yeah. Enhancement and niche too. I think that those are the two things that we tend to focus on a lot. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you'll find me talking about niche a lot. And that's because a lot of times these companies start up, they do everything with a broad brush. So they're trying to, to, to solve a lot of problems for people, but they fall into a niche. You know, they always mm-hmm. have, I mean, I'm sure that happened with you too. I mean, when you first started doing insurance, I'm sure you were probably doing whole life and term and all that. And then you found this like long-term care. Hey, I can really, really go to town on I this. I think it found me, but yes. Yeah. That's yeah no, well, I think that's, that's how it happens <laughs> that's with what us happens, too. Right? Yeah. I mean, like our, I never would have, we, we tend to do a lot of medical co- uh, clients. We tend to do uh, a lot of financial tech and a lot of service industries. I never would have starting out would have focused on those industries. We just yeah. fell into them, found success with. How did you fall them. into them though? Well, usually it's a, a client knows uh, somebody who's got a business and they go, Hey, we know, you know, these fellows over here that can like program really yeah. well. You should try them out. And then we get involved very heavily with the business. And uh, sometimes it's just through our partnerships. Like my actual business partner actually runs several other companies. He tends to be in the real estate sphere. He owns an HVAC company, a pressure washing company, a real estate investment company. So obviously we kind of fell into those sort of patterns of working with similar companies like that. Um, but going into it, my perspective, I never would have thought I was doing that. I would, I thought when we started out, we'd be doing more, mar- more marketing kind of stuff. And then I found over time, I don't like doing that as much. You know, I, I'm better at building complex systems and uh, getting to that. You know, you mentioned earlier that that you have acumen with uh, sort of the creative part and you're able to sort of put that into an analytical programming sort of model. But I, I have to tell you, from knowing you and interacting with you and watching, you're very good with people, very good with business development, very good with the networking. And I know that Thank you. somehow that must be, does that present challenges for you and, and conflict in terms of, hey, what... What should I be doing? What do I like doing? What am I best at? Yeah, absolutely, all the time. And I how mean, do you deal with it? I, I'm still figuring that out. Um, Aren't we about, all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the first 13 years of WebSuasion, I've been doing that. I, I was a solo entrepreneur for a while, and then in 2007, we started WebSuasion. Um, so the time that I've run that, we were all um, just referrals from other clients, other technical clients usually. So somebody came into me. They were having a technical conversation immediately. And I didn't have to know how to sell to the general public. We barely had a website. Um, even though we were web developers, we ourselves barely had a website because we didn't need it. We, you know, we were referred a lot. But as my team grew, I had to keep that sales funnel full. And about a year and a half ago, I realized I've just got to get out there and I've got to change. I've got to actually act like the president of the company that I've been president of for 13 years and stop billing my time out so much, bring in more programmers and go out and do business development. And that was uh, a difficult thing to learn. You know, that was how so it's very people don't understand what I do. I people don't understand uh, the complexity of what we do and the scale of what we can do. Um, even though they've known me for years, they still yeah. don't quite get it until they actually see it in action. And that can vary so wi- widely from company to company, those solutions that it's very hard to explain. So I usually try to make, um, uh, metaphors when I'm talking about it. Like, you know, think of it like the trucking industry and you, you know, like I'll, I'll find some illusion to where I can explain complex topics and, and go down that road. But yeah, that's that's the trick. How to explain what we do to general business people. Well, to me, uh, I mean, you had me at scaling, enhancement, yeah, leverage, 
And right. I think any business owner that wants to grow would would be very interested in hearing those about those three topics. Would you agree? Yeah, and even understanding what that means. Yes, I think uh, scalability is a, a term that people throw out in marketing mm-hmm. meetings and, and stuff like that, but they don't really get into the in depth into what that actually entails. And a lot of times, from our perspective, it's a technical thing. It's data. Yeah. It's, it's how your data flows throughout your company. Uh, and how you visualize that data. So I, I'll tell you the biggest thing that most companies do wrong is that they don't take a look at what they've already done from a data perspective. They don't have mm. a way of analyzing the work that they've already done for clients over the years and seeing this is actually what's most profitable. They think they know what's most profitable for them. They think they know what they do best. But when you actually have data, you can show what they do best. Yeah. And that a lot of times is eye-opening and and opens up other possibilities for uh, revenue streams and uh, cost savings. I mean, I, I fall into it too. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of things that I see my competition doing this product or mm-hmm. this service, and I feel like I need to do it, even though I hate <laughs> doing it. And I've had, like, that's one of the things. That biggest, never happens to any of us. Right. Uh, and yeah, you just yeah. have to, you have to realize at some point, I'm not in competition with them. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've got my own mm. niche. So it was a, the, when you mentioned lead gen, that's what perked my ears up. Most of our clients here in the business radio X system are in professional services. Right. And a lot of them are really great at practicing their craft and yep. really struggle with the marketing side of things. And so they are, I mean, so thirsty for rigor, discipline, strategy that it'll make their, their prospecting and their marketing more predictable. Right. Right. But you've had some success not only using your media platforms to do that for yourself, but you're also helping other clients do this. Talk, talk more about that. So, so we're getting more and more specific about what we do in the same way that I was saying on the programming side. You know, we, we, from the production side, we started out like, Hey, we'll do your marketing videos. We'll come out and do location shoots. We'll do these one off little YouTube videos for you. And we found that, you know, there's a lot of other people doing that. That's not necessarily the most productive thing for us. We have a facility at Pinewood Atlanta Studios, that's where Corey recorded the podcast, um, that we can do multi-camera and, and like green screen backdrops and all this kind of stuff. So we just really need to focus on that and give clients, like you said, that really, really struggle with a framework, give them that framework, find those writers for them, you know, put the whole thing in place so that they can just go in and share their expertise, but they don't have to worry about putting all the elements together distributing the content themselves. We do the whole thing for them. So really our focus, we have a few clients that uh, one of them is this guy named Phil Town, uh, Rule One Investing. He is, um, a, you know, he, he is kind of a Warren Buffett strategist uh, from that perspective. And he's got a large following, a YouTube channel of 250,000 people. Um, some of his videos have millions of views. Wow. He does He does one a week, but he'll come in and he'll record uh, for like six hours and he'll just like run through, you know, weeks and weeks of material, just reading from a teleprompter that's already been pre-written for him. He comes in, he does those four hours and he's off, he's off doing his business and it gets handed off to my staff or, or the marketing company that we're working in conjunction with. And he never touches it again. And that's the kind of system that a lot of times businesses have to have in place to be successful with this. Cause if you're not continuous with it, you can't look at what it's doing for me next week or this week or in a month from now. You have to look two years down the road. This video that I did today is going right. to have a big effect on my business that I can't foresee right now. So have you had any success kind of eating your own chili? Are you doing this for yourself or is that 
a struggle that, for you like it is for some yeah, of well, the rest I mean, of us. That's always a struggle, you <laughs> right. know, like the cobbler shoes. Kind of, right, yeah, right. You know, like are always the, the he has the worst shoes. Um, yeah, that's my big thing this year. Um, Corey probably has mentioned before Vistage. I, I've joined Vistage, which is a CEO yeah, yeah. roundtable. And part of the reason for that is just so that I can really focus on how to best use my time for my business and not, like I said, be worrying about billing my time out to my clients, let my staff do that kind of stuff. So I'm trying harder and harder to focus on our own content. And, but you know, you get busy, like as soon as that starts being successful, then I've got to deal with the new clients that we're onboarding. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, it's this back and forth tide of, of, uh, of doing very well at it and then doing very poorly at it. <laughs> you mentioned one thing, Ryan, about, you know, clients, uh, you know, your client, Mr. Town, that comes in, uh, he does the filming, he does the video and the podcasting, and he has content that he's produced and written. And then he hands it off to you. And yeah. I think that that is a really important concept not to be lost on the listenership here because I have, I personally can be involved in only so much. And then right. I just need to know that it got done. Exactly. You know, I don't know. I don't want to know how to build a watch. I want to know what time it is. You're not in the business of releasing content. You're no. in the business of selling no. policies. And I think that, I think that that's a really important thing to, uh, for every business owner to consider aligning themselves with what I call SMEs, subject matter experts, right. people that that's their strike zone. You know, just like, you know, Stone's expertise is radio. Uh, and, you know, he's done incredibly well with that. Your expertise is, uh, you know, web development apps and so on. And I want to get into the apps here in a Absolutely, second. Sure. And, and mine is, you know, helping people understand and implement long-term care. And I think it's very important to align yourself with people that can help your business. And I think the, I've been searching a long time for somebody that can intelligently do video and audio, and I'm thankful that I found it. Oh, awesome. So, you also help people with apps, right? Yeah, we actually develop what's called full stack applications, which means we I don't know what that means. So it means from the database all the way up to the user interface. So we're we're developing how the data is stored, how it's um how we query it so that it's efficient and fast and scalable again. That word comes up scalable. There's um, that word again. Because so, so much of what's on the web, if it's not done by the right people, it's not scalable. You get to a point where your website breaks when you get to 100 clients because it just runs too slow, for instance, or your web portal. So uh, we are very good from the 22 years of experience starting that in those early days of, of the web. I'm very good at designing systems that scale. Uh, and then, uh, we handle that all the way through the process. So we build what the user sees, the interface that whether it's a, a mobile app or the actual website itself that you're touching and clicking on, you know, what you're interfacing with, but what's going on behind the scenes is up in the cloud. And most of that logic is not ever seen by the client. And, uh, you know, we, we do that very effectively and that, and that's a rare thing. You know, you hear the term app frequently, right? How do you decide if building an app is applicable or if it will be fruitful for a business? So there are two really categories of apps. There is the mobile app, and then there is the web app. And then on the back end of both of those, there is this centralized business logic that lives up in the cloud. So if you're doing any kind of mobile app where you log in, you've got some server in the background that's running that has a lot of stuff going on that nobody sees. So that's one of the first things that people aren't aware of. They think when you're building a mobile app, you're just building the thing that's on the phone. That's 
20% of the app. The other 80% is actually happening on a system up in the cloud that's doing all this processing and all this work and all this data storage. So they are expensive. Mobile apps especially are expensive prospects. You know, I mean, to build a, a mobile app for under $25,000 is really very difficult, uh, especially efficiently. But cloud apps are much more dynamic. They're much easier to deal with. You don't have to deal with Apple. And you don't have to deal with Google. So you can implement something as a small business on the web. And then as your clients, as you're seeing success from that app, then you can launch into mobile. So that's usually how we, we try to, to, to coerce our clients to like, let's start with something that's very dynamic. We can change very easily. That's less expensive. So for half the price, you can do a web app. So those are the kind of the two categories. And that's distinctive from a marketing website. Marketing website is not the same thing as what we're talking about with, with apps. So they're, you know, apps is something that you're logging into. You're doing some work that's specific to the business's niche and the client's needs. And you're doing that in a way that is helping your staff to be more efficient and helping the client to be happier with the result. Well, I, it, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, it, it speaks to the issue of enhancing workflow and efficiency. Yep. And correct me if in my advanced age I'm wrong about this. And also you know, maybe removing a portion of the human component so the accuracy might be higher. Yeah. So human, there are there are things that computers are always going to be better at than humans, and there are things that humans are always going to be better at than computers. Yeah. And we try to make that demarcation. What is this? What is your company really good at? What is the staff good at? That is really the heart of the company. You know, that's customer service, that's sales, things that you cannot automate. Um, you can talk about lead generation and stuff like that all day long, but ultimately you're still just leading up to a sales conversation with a human unless it's just a widget that's easy to sell. It's going to fly off the shelves. That's rare. Usually we're selling very complex services or very complex products that need some human interaction, especially on a, a larger business scale, you know, that are higher price products. And so for that, you know, that's what the human, that's what the human element really does well. Humans are bad at data entry. <laughs> they're bad at they're, this. This just in. Yeah, they're, they're they're really bad generally at um at, at spreadsheets. Like eighty percent of our clients come to us with some mammoth spreadsheet that they've created that's hard to maintain. Uh, they're pulling data from multiple systems. Their formulas are wrong, so their data is wrong half the time. And they're like, can you help us? I'm like, yeah, we can automate all that away. So the thing that they were spending four hours, sometimes two days, working on just to give a spreadsheet to the CEO, just to give a report to the CEO from the spreadsheet, we can do in milliseconds. So it's it'll, it'll blow people's minds once they see how effective it, it, that kind of thing can be. Hmm. That That's really – that to me is very fascinating. Um, so it seems to me you're – Using technology, you're leveraging efficient, you're removing a portion of the human component out of it because you have data and, and things that, you know, historically humans aren't very good at and you're right. taking that out of it. Yes. So when you sit down with a business owner, you know, do you guys uh, establish KPIs, key performance indicators? Uh, how do you establish the metrics of what you're measuring or what you're processing with your expertise. The metrics are usually pretty easy. I mean, it, once you know what the value proposition is and what the value to the client is of a new sale, then I can usually work backwards from that and go, okay, 
I'll give you, uh, without being too specific, because we do have NDAs and stuff, I can give you kind of a general idea of, of one of the clients that had this experience. Uh, they were doing a spreadsheet. They were developing a report off the spreadsheet that they were selling to their clients. It was for uh, human resources testing. And uh, so they were taking test data. They were somebody was copy pasting it into a spreadsheet, configuring all of this stuff, running a report. It took about 20 minutes each. And they're charging about $150 per report, $150, $200 per report that they generate. Well, a client comes into them, this big healthcare client, and says, okay, great. Uh, we love this. We want you to do 1000 a week for us. Well, they're like, uh, we can't, <laughs> we'd have to hire 10, 20 people. I'd have to, we'd have to get a new facility, computers. There's no way we can do that with the, the spreadsheet process that we've been doing for 15 years. That's worked very well for us when we were a smaller business. They could not scale, literally could not scale because of their system. So we were able to take that spreadsheet, build all the algorithms and everything into the cloud, and we can process a thousand in, in like three minutes. So wow, they can, so that, that is, that is really impressive. So, okay. So let me, let me, and just, they're charging the same. Let me so, just, because yeah. it still just, has the same value. Oh, it's not uh, a time more, and material uh, more value, more yeah. value now because we can make the reports even better and more dynamic because we're using better technology. Right. So we can make them interactive and all kinds of stuff. And there's Clients no, love it. And there's no chance that the data is inaccurate because you've systematized that. It's way more accurate. I mean, there's always chance of data inaccuracies, but, but they come, you know, you deal with them as you can, but they're not coming from a human error. So this is a, this is a, an unbelievable business case for you. Yeah, it's a great one. So they, you, they paid for that. They paid for that application in two months. <laughs> I mean, you know, they were doing how much? How many applications did you say they were doing a week? A hundred? Oh, they were. I um, probably two hundred, something like that. And but they the, wanted but to was do the best they could do, and they needed to move up to like a thousand, two thousand. And, and so, now so they able, would they would have not taken that contract, you know. And now they're able to do it in three minutes, a fraction yeah. of the time. So they're more productive than they were yep. in less time. And now they focus. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. And now they focus their time on business dev. Like they've gone almost exclusively from consulting and generating these reports to uh, a significant part of their time is in business development. Now. So that, that is really impressive. And so these folks were charging, you know, $100, $150 a, sure. a test. And what did it, you know, what generally, what did it cost you to build the app? Uh, probably 75 grand. So, you know, if they're doing a thousand, you know, a week at that point or more, I mean, yeah, it was easily paid for. But you have the kind of shop where I could come to you and say, I have process X. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we could automate this, streamline this. And, and the answer may be no, but it might be yes with your mindset, your background. If, if we shared with you a half a dozen processes, you might say, you know what, take process three and five, and I think we could really help you guys. There is, I have yet to walk into any business that we couldn't improve. And that doesn't, it, that doesn't re surprise me. Regardless of how, like, I mean, I could walk into my business and look at it if I had, right, you know, right. and, and find ways to improve it through technology. It's just, uh, so what we tend to look for is our businesses that are successful despite their, uh, ineptitude at the productivity side and the technology side. Right. So if they're already doing great, they already have 10 plus employees and they're doing, you know, several million dollars of business a year. Well, we can probably double that for them in a short period of time if they put the investment. And they can put their energy where it's, where it's most valuable yeah. and has the highest return. We, ha yeah. I have a couple of examples from my little world. Um, we're not producing, you know, uh, album quality audio here. 
you know, we're just recording a conversation. We don't. And so, but for years I've been paying people to take the raw audio, like from this conversation we're going to have. And they do some stuff, you know, they've learned the stuff that you learned. And now candidly, there are some services where I can just do a little bit of stuff up front, put it in their thing. They'll do a lot of that, and I and I bet you I'm spending ten percent on of on audio processing, ten percent of what I spent a year ago, and it's actually the quality's a little bit better. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and and you have more time. Yeah. So and, where's the decision? Right, exactly. No, it's it's a yeah. no brainer for me. And so what that does allow me to do is, to your point, what I don't think a computer can do quite as well as me is the conversation I'm going to have this afternoon with my new studio partner in Rome. Right. That requires some stone time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And but it, but I've got it now because yeah. I don't have to fool with that. Yeah. The subjective and the abstract computers will never be good at. Well, not in our lifetime, probably. <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it, the AI is getting kind of scary as it, to the levels of, of how good it's getting. But your general business is not going to be, you know, the Facebooks and the, the Googles will be able to tap into that in the next few years more and more. But the, your general business person is not for another 10 years, probably. But uh, even then, you still have subjective. I mean, business business in general is so complicated. I have yet to meet anybody that was intelligent who actually thought they figured it all out. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. because as soon as you have no. something that works, it sh- things change. Well, I think I think if you're, it goes back to what I said earlier. If if, if as a business owner, uh, a business owner considers their business as a pie, <clears throat> and a component of that is marketing. Part of that is social media. Part of that is business development. A component of that is accounting, you know, and operations right. and, uh, you know, the cost of goods and, you know, the ink toner and all those things and personnel. And there's only so much time. And I think uh, what, what I keep coming back to is leverage, automation, right. and using technology. And, and there are things that only Ryan Williams can do. Sure. There are only there are things that only Stone can do, and I think there's a thing or two that only I can do. And I think you have to be smart enough, to your point, to get out of the way of things you're not good at yes. or that you're not qualified to do. And I think it's so easy to get to a point where you say, well, I can do that. Okay, what's the highest, best use of your time? Yes. What's your fastball? <laughs> I know I've fallen in right? that trap because it's going to take me a while to teach her or him how to do it. So let me just knock it out Saturday morning. And I mean, that's a death knell for us, right? Well, and so one of the things that, and I think, I think leveraging your time, I think if you have technology and you have the right partners like, like you guys, like Stone, I consider you a tremendous partner. It pains me to give you a compliment on the air like this. <laughs> and if anybody <laughs> asks me about it, I'll deny I said it. But no, Stone has been just a, just a great, great partner in, in all sincerity. Everything that he has said about this has come true. It's been accurate. And uh, I think that, you, Ryan, you're in the same boat. And I think that you have to be – I think if you've got your business planned out well enough, you can drive whatever numbers you want between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. And if you're not doing that, you got to take a look at what you're doing every day. And, and, and it's uh, peeling back the onion. I mean, I can remember Austin Jackson, our Vistage chair, telling me five years ago, Cody, write down all the things that you should be doing in your business and then write down all the things that are a waste of your time and that you shouldn't be in to come back to me. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did all this and I realized the fastball theme, coming back to what you're good at, what you should be doing. And uh, leveraging subject matter expertise, and and I think 
one of the great things about this show is I'm going to be able to highlight people that have really helped me. And, you know, uh, growing up, we had this phrase in the house and we would say, yeah, we can ride with that guy. Right. And what it means is people that are loyal, people that are looking at things on a two-way street. And I think in any relationship, I mean, Ryan asked me a while back, hey, do you want to be on your podcast and video, uh, you know, which I was on recently? And it was really cool. And so I naturally was thinking, oh, you know, Ryan did me a solid. I got to... I got to come back to him and, and help him, which is why he's here. So um, I think that developing those relationships where you can say to somebody, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Here's what I'm trying to do. And being able to get from somebody like Ryan, okay, here's what you might do to get from point A to point B. And it'll happen in a fraction of the time as opposed to if I tried to do it myself. So right. I think a lot of this, to your point, is being smart enough to know you don't got all the answers. And right. and most people that, that I try to interact with would subscribe to that. They would they don't think they have all the answers. Yeah, I think a lot of business people who people who are tend to start businesses tend to be sort of the control freak. Like I do, do that, it, that's not us. Do it yourself <laughs> uh mindset, you know, and, and like, you know, they started their entire business and they learned how to do the accounting side and they learned how to do the legal side and they learned everything they need to know, you know, trial and error. For what they do, and it, and the idea of having somebody take that over was very difficult for me. Hundred um, percent. And I still at times struggle with it. I mean, you mentioned Austin. Austin was one of the people that said, "Look, you you've got to stop doing the production of your podcast. You got to hand it off." And I was really res- reticent to do that, and did that recently, and it's been great. Like it's it's well, been fantastic. I think you when you think about the case study Ryan that you just brought up with the company that was doing the testing and they were doing a couple hundred tests a week, and now they can do what a thousand in three minutes. I mean. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty significant hammer. Yeah. And, and, I, and I would be willing to bet that you could probably bring that to any business. Uh, sure. Uh, you to know, some extent uh, or another, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the more expensive the product, the easier it is to get those kind of results. But so, why, why is that? Well, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're trying to make a mar- – if you have a very, very tight margin, let's say um, uh, you have a widget that you make, you know, five cents on – well, we have to sell a heck of a lot more widgets through the technology to, to justify putting it into it. So not all businesses are perfect for this. Uh, another one is time. Like if somebody – like one of the things that I learned really early on was to try to stop selling time and start selling value and try to also start selling IP, like having IP that I can resell over and over again because that scales. Again, we get back to the scale thing. Uh, whereas if you're selling time, you have only so many buckets to sell. Yeah. And so many companies start out billing their time. And uh, the problem with that, too, that we found over the t- course of 12 years, we got faster and faster at what we do. We got better and better at what we do. So we had somebody who would be competing with us, say, we're $200 an hour. They're $25 an hour. Well, it takes them 10, t- 10 times as long to do that. So really it ends up costing the client more and time and everything else. And they probably but don't do it as well as you. They don't do it as well because they don't have the experience. I mean, they're doing their best, but, and they eventually might get to that point, but uh, we are getting faster and faster at it, but we're not charging more for our time. So we're, we're actually uh, us getting better is a detriment to our well being as a company, you know? So for us to, <laughs> to, to actually uh, bring in more people, uh, treated as an apprentice system so that we're always training, always teaching, yeah. always moving that down the rung so that we have the 
the experience that anytime our programmers are having a problem, they come to us and they, they go, how we solve this? Oh, okay. Well, this is how we typically fix this problem. Um, but we can really leverage, you know, bringing new people in, we can leverage our experience and we can charge for value, not on. How do you determine, Ryan, if somebody has intellectual property that's scalable and resellable? I mean, how do you how do you walk us through that? So the intellectual property aspect of it, I can't really. Spe- I'm not an intellectual property lawyer, so I can't get too deep into that. You know, without uh, kind of just going by my base, my experience. But but with uh, usually it's, it's some knowledge that you've developed through working in your industry. So let, let's say, for instance, you've done something for 20 years. You know how how to sell this product. You want to teach other people how to sell this product and you've, you've got this unique experience, just like you were saying earlier, you know, your personal experience and your ability to sell has come up with some unique perspective. There might be a lot of other people selling this product, but they do it in different ways. Mm -hmm. You found this unique thing that you think works for people who identify with you. You want to sell that. Well, you own that material as soon as you, it's fixed in a fixed form. So as soon as you write an article, write a book, uh, record a podcast, you own the copyright to that material. You own that IP. Um, and so it's just a matter of monetizing it. It's a matter of figuring out how to get people to to into that course and give them value in a way that you can charge for it. So that's when we're starting to move more and more in Kapokas towards doing digital content courses. So we're actually helping people who are subject matter experts to come in, kind of dump all of that out of their minds, all that information out of their minds. We'll get somebody that, to clean it up, write it, organize it, and then we'll break it into, like I say, a 12-week course. And then we will help them do the marketing to generate the people coming into a webinar, for instance, to sell that course, and then manage the course throughout the process to the end of it. And then you just relaunch that course over and over again. So that's a way of, like, for instance, you could do one-on-one consulting with people and you're selling your time. Or you could do an event locally where you like sell tickets to the event and there's, you know, a finite number of people that you can get to come to that. But when you go to a digital course, you know, anybody who speaks English, if you speak English is potentially your client if they're in that industry. So again, scale. It's, it's finding a way to scale up that, that, uh, value proposition. If, if an organization has materials and content, is that advantageous for you? Absolutely. That's, How so? So are, are you saying they have their own? Election? They've written articles. They, they have, their own, have it, yeah. they have their own stuff that they, they, they content use. Content is the hardest part of everything. When it comes I thought to, the waiting was the hardest part. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that's what – who was that? Tom Petty. Tom Petty, that's right. That's what Tom said. But uh, no, I, content from a business perspective is really, really hard because we're distracted. We don't have time to sit down and write an article all the yeah. time. So we try to find ways of like uh, – one one of the great pod these these kind of conversations are fantastic because we're just speaking, you know, live off the top of our head, but it's being recorded. That's a scary place to be. <laughs> it is, but I mean, it's being recorded. Great ideas come of that out of that. I, I guarantee you, we could probably come up with five articles of information just based off of what we get talked the about. transcript from this, right? Put it in the hands of his people. Right? Can you, you imagine just, what they would do just with this forty-five minute conversation? Right, and it could be from three different perspectives. You know, you know, an article, artic- right several articles for Radio Business X, several articles for Corey, several articles for me, all based off of these little like threads of ideas, and then you hand it off to the right writer who's appropriate for your, the tone of mm-hmm. your business. 
And then you just put it in a system that produces it and releases it. He could make a video out of it. You could make. Sure. You could use the soundtrack, right? And then and, put visual, nice looking visual. There's just no limit. And I, th- I think part of the problem is uh, business owners get really intimidated by the volume, uh, like volume and, and size of, of how much content they feel like they have to create when they see other people doing it. They're like, I don't have time to do all of that. Right, right. But really, you're using the same information over and over again in different ways. So you might write, you might come up with an outline of this is the kind of talking points I want to talk about. And then you'll have an interview with a writer who will script that into an article. Well, that article could be broken down into several tweets, several Mm -hmm. small videos. And so you're just repackaging the same concepts over and over again, because the repetition is what people respond to anyway. Nobody's going to understand a complex topic about web development, for instance, seeing it one time. (laughs) Right. They're going to hear it over and over again in different ways. And some people are going to respond to the video. Some people are going to respond to articles. Some people are going to respond to audio like this. So you have to do it all. I think uh, to your point earlier about, you know, content and whether or not a business owner would decide to do it. I think part of part of my battle has always been what's the first step. I don't want to do it over again. How do I do it right? And sometimes that that can prevent someone from taking the first step. And that's why I think, you know, creating these market mate relationships is so important. And so if you had somebody you could rely on, you could say, hey, Stone, I want to do a show about this. And and here's the outcome I want. And Stone would say, well, here's what you got to do. Here are the steps. Here's what you have to do. And here's when you can come in and do that. And you would say the same thing yeah. if I was building a website or I needed an app or something like that. Yeah. Like I said, content being the hardest part of it, um, everything else comes out of the content. So um, usually what businesses people have trouble with is that blank page syndrome. Well, like, and if, How do I even get started? And getting the right coaching. I think finding the right market mates it's it's not as easy as 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 one might think. Well, no. before we wrap, and we do need to wrap here in a minute, but before we wrap, I wanted to ask you guys about that about uh, seeking out, identifying, and then I don't know, I don't want to sound condescending, but but vetting a potential market maker. Because you're talking about going, yes. at least the way I envision, arm in arm with someone to your marketplace. So I, any insight you guys have to offer I'll, on that? I'll answer that. I th- for me, it's like no trust. If I don't like the person, there's no chance I want to get to know them. Right. And if I don't know them, there's no chance I'm going to trust them. I mean, and that's, you know, maybe that's part of who I am, uh, you know, being a, a crusty 55-year-old guy. <laughs> uh, but if I don't like somebody, I just, I can't do it. And uh, in my advanced age, I've learned to listen to some things that my gut tells me. And it's just, for me, uh, there's no other way. Our, we we tend to both my business partner and I we say this often to each other uh, we like things that are difficult if there is a program like say a referral networking system or something where it's very hard to show up every week at seven o'clock in the morning for an hour and a half meeting w- regularly and contribute and manage it and do all of that somebody who goes through those kind of gauntlets of uh, or vistage or whatever it is to where you have to come prepared you have to show up. Uh, you have to be likable, you know, you have to be able to interact with people. Uh, that's a, a, a really good way of to kind of like test and vet people. Yeah. I found, I mean, uh, we've met, I've met hundreds of people in the last two years through those kind of programs that, you know, out of those hundreds, I got a solid 40 
people out of that that I like. I can always go to them and know that they're going to – if they're going to do that for their own business, they're going to do that for their clients. Well, I think the other – I think that's accurate. I think the other side of this too is that you know me having focused on long-term care planning since 2001, clients come to me for a lot of things. You know, they'll come to me and say, yes. "Hey, I, I needed a CPA," or "Hey, I need a I need somebody to help me with life insurance." And you know, "Hey, can you help me with life insurance?" It's not what I do. Well, come on, can you just help me? No, it's not what I do. But I have somebody that does right. do that. And you're really good too, though, Corey. You're good about making sure that you cultivate, nurture that garden of uh, well, people you. who have specialized knowledge and expertise. And I've got to get better at that because it, I, I know a few. Uh, people in a few areas, but I don't know nearly enough that I trust well enough to say, yeah, Corey, here's, you want to talk to Susie and I need to be, that's a discipline, right? I mean, that's a, well, that's, it's very, it's very, very helpful. It kind of goes back to the, Hey, I want to ride with this person. I want to find people like no trust. That's, that's, it, that's goes without saying my clients are going to say to me, Hey, Corey, what's your experience with this person? In other words, have you done business with them? So that's right. another thing that my clients will ask me because I ask them the same thing. They say, hey, Corey, you need to talk to Stone Payton. Well, what's your experience with him? Oh, he's helped me with the radio show. He's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then I meet you and I figure out that, that it's all true. So I, I think that you have to be very deliberate and very methodical. And you know, we're talking about 19 years on my end of, you know, hey, can I put this person in front of a client of mine and be okay with it? Because I can't put somebody in front of a client <laughs> And then have the client say, hey, this this guy, blah, 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 didn't call me. Or your guy, blah, 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 didn't <laughs> right. call yeah, me. I guy. can't yeah. do that. And neither can you, I don't think. No, absolutely not. But I need to be – I'm, I'm realizing through doing this series, really, I need to do things today and tomorrow to to keep my antenna up. And like now, I feel like at least – I mean, actually, with your permit, I'd love to come out and see your place and maybe Absolutely. visit some more. Yeah. But I feel like I'm kind of getting closer to when some because right now when someone comes to me and wants to do video work, a lot of times they think that we do video work, right? I And I don't know where to send them. I just know to tell them, you know, that's not our lane. We, you know, um, but but I what I have not done, candidly, nearly enough, Lee's a little better at it than I am, my business partner – is just consistently cultivating those relationships. Well, I think you got to be in front of them. And something happened yesterday. I was helping a client um, in a company, and they asked me, "Hey, can you help me with life insurance?" And they asked me like three different ways. I, 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 right, I was right. I was flattered by. Well, well, she said, "Well, can't you just?" No, it's not what I do. But I have somebody that can help you. They have they have the same subject matter expertise with life insurance that I we believe we have with long term care and. Made the introduction, called my friend and let him know, hey, uh, got an introduction. Here's kind of the overview. And then I send a, a virtual introductory email saying, hey, blah, blah, blah. He, this is the person I was going to refer you to for life insurance. And I believe he could be a very good, very good resource. I think the two of you should meet and talk. And, uh, you know, then I'm out. And then, you know, then the person will tell me, hey, here's what happened with that. Here's the outcome. But it's, I think, Gratitude is really an important factor, and, and I don't think we spend enough time about it. But for me, that gave me a level of gratitude to help this man with this introduction that he never would have had without me. And it was a solid for the for the woman that I referred to because that's not what I do. All right. All right. Um, I apologize. We really do need to wrap. But before we do, let's make sure, Ryan, if someone wants to have a, a more substantive conversation with you or someone on your team – 
what are the best coordinates? What's the best way to, to reach out for that? Just go to our website, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N.com, WebSuasion.com. We've got a podcast there you can subscribe to. We actually do a meetup for people who want to learn coding. Oh, and no, I'm going to ask that question because I wanted to ask it the whole time we've been talking. What is the thinking behind it? Because you do that for free, right? Yeah, we do it for free. Uh, we've taken a little break th- during the summer, but we've done – we did it all last year, and we're going to start back up in August – or well, end of this month again um, – but yeah, it's free, no, no experience necessary. And the idea behind it is just to find talent for us. I mean, that's the, the sort of selfish element of it is like, you know, but you're genuinely serving that ecosystem absolutely. at the same time, which is what makes all of this, all this tick. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that, that's been, that's how I learned was people apprentice, the apprentice system. Yeah. And I do think that's the best. I think that's one of the things that this it's from a societal standpoint, we're lacking, uh, more and more is that, that apprentice kind of system. So yeah. for audio, I've done it for video. I've done it for programming. I've done it for years and I've built my team based on that. Fantastic. I interrupted you, your, your coordinates, best way for people to reach out. Oh, websuasion.com. W E B S U A S I O N dot C O M. Well, it has been an absolute delight having you in the studio today. Thanks so much for coming and sharing your story, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We'll have to get you on our podcast here soon. Well, hey, I would look forward to that. I really would like to visit your place yeah. and, and learn more. Corey, you're batting a thousand, man. We're, we're two for two here. <laughs> yeah, no pressure on me there. <laughs> All right. Uh, how do folks reach out, talk to you about long-term care planning, or as we just learned, anything, because you have a guy. You know everybody. <laughs> or a gal. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's Corey Rick. It's, uh, you can, uh, email me at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at, and this is all one word, the longtermcareplanninggroup.com. Uh, our website, uh, which I'm told is very comprehensive and useful. If you want more information on long-term care is www.thelongtermcareplanninggroup.com, or you can call me at 678-814-5088. Thanks so much. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Corey Rick, our guest today, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Market Made Atlanta.